Thank you. <laughs> Massive thanks, man, to this team who led us straight to Jesus and not to themselves. And hello to, man, our BCM family. Wow, I don't even know what house this is. I'm starting to come over to the camera here. The girls. That house is, man, full of people. There's a party happening over there, man. And then I, I see you, Madison and, and Ish Marie. Ish Marie, I see you. I see you out there. And, uh, man, so many others of you. And look at the, you got the boys, the boys that are just uh, chilling, uh, chilling there. So, man, thank y'all for, for jumping in uh, tonight. If this is your first time, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jay, and I had the privilege of serving uh, as the director of the BCM ministry here and uh, honestly just serving you our college students who are man a part of this ministry and you only have to visit one time okay to be a part of this family that we call BCM so welcome welcome to the family if this is your first time right now you take out your bibles your notebooks your linear inscribers in this season even though we've been socially distant and come on let's be honest this is definitely not what we would all necessarily prefer. We'd love to be able to be together, right? Come on, somebody put their hand up here. Like, I would much rather be in person, together. And I want to encourage you. In fact, we just got some good news, even yesterday, from the president of USF um, that mentioned that things are going to begin to move forward with more in-person activity and classes starting in July and uh, all the way into, his words, significantly ramping up, ramping up to more in-person activities starting this fall, which I cannot wait to that day. It's gonna be, man, explosive, okay, in the BCM building when that day comes. But while we wait for that, we have been committed, man, to staying spiritually unified. So do not grow weary, okay, in well-doing. Scripture says you will reap a great harvest if you do not faint, okay? So tonight, man, we are all blessed because we have uh, one of our local pastors, uh, from New City, and uh, a lot of folks around here, you may know him and love him. If you don't know him, as you hear him share, for, share from God's Word tonight, you are going to love this guy. Pastor Eric, he's here tonight to open up God's Word with us. And this is one of my favorite parts of tonight because God's Word has a way of transforming us if we allow it, okay? And so, would you please put your hands together right from your home, your apartment, your dorm room, wherever you may be at, uh, put some... Uh, hand clap emojis, okay, in the chat box, and welcome my friend, Mr. Eric, all right, as he comes. Hey, how we doing? Everybody doing okay? Good. Make a little thumbs up or something? All right, there we go. We can, we can, we can talk back and forth. We can do some hand motions here, okay? Uh, like you said, my name is Eric. Uh, I'm the lead pastor at New City Church. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today. I know you just started a series titled, Are You Okay?, which, uh, on, on different emotions, which is a great question, like, uh, to, to ask you the question, are you okay? And today we're going to be looking specifically at the emotion of fear. Uh, and oftentimes when we think of fear, you know, I think it's fair to say that we often sometimes think of creepy clowns, crazy snakes, and the exorcist, or at least I do. Um, you know, I, and to be frank with you, I can I, I can handle the exorcist, but the creepy clowns and the snakes, okay, you can have those. I'm not, they're not for me. Um, you know, or possibly we think of all sorts of phobias, like arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders, or claustrophobia, which is the fear of tight spaces, or glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking, or maybe uh, maybe some of you have this next one, uh, nomophobia, uh, which is the fear of being without your phone. Okay, so if you've ever left your dorm uh, to turn around 
uh, get halfway to class, turn around, realize you forgot your phone, uh, turn around, go back and get it, making you late to class, uh, you may have nomophobia. And you know, uh, although these may be fun to discuss and think about, um, but maybe for some, there may be some legitimate phobias uh, to work through. But for many of us, I think the greatest fears we, uh, we deal with are more common like the fear of change or the fear of the future or the fear of loneliness or rejection or uncertainty or inadequacy or the fear of failure or maybe something that over the past 15 to 20 years that has become way more commonly discussed. Uh, maybe anxiety is something that hits home with you when we say that word. Uh, now I know uh, that the fear, the fear and anxiety are somewhat different. Uh, There's physiological elements that can't be ignored, but what I do know uh, is that fear, anxiety, and worry are are all in the same family. Now, I want to be very clear today. I'm not a counseling expert. Uh, I'm far from that, actually. Uh, And I I do know uh, that anxiety is a very real emotion uh, that has many different effects and causes, and I say this as someone who has found himself often struggling with this. Uh, the past two years of my life, stepping into what God has called us to do, uh, to plant New City Church has been very, very anxiety-inducing for me. Uh, it was a, a very scary thing to leave a good, stable, well-paying job, to take a 50% pay cut, to go through a church planning residency, to move 10 hours away from friends, family, and everything we know, knowing full well that in order to plant a church, we needed to raise money, uh, and then to somehow convince others to be crazy enough to leave their jobs, move uh, their life, family, and from what they know, sell their houses, and then move to a place that they had never been to find a job they didn't have. And then we have to get to get people that we don't know to gather with us uh, and then throw in a global pandemic uh, that says, oh yeah, don't gather. Um, <laughs> and then not to mention all the events that surround 2020, making leadership and pastoral ministry itself incredibly challenging. And I, say, and I say this not to uh, seek pity and not to try to expose some great faith that I have, but actually uh, to be very vulnerable with you uh, and to expose and share uh, that I have walked through a lot of fear and anxiety myself. You know, the past two years of my life, I've experienced more fear and anxiety and sleepless nights than I think I have in all of my years combined prior to that. And so know that I speak to you tonight, not as someone who has it all together and has it perfectly figured out, but I say this as someone who has to daily fight against this. Knowing that one of the, uh, one of the most used commands in scriptures is to fear not. Do not fear. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. Uh, and it's kind of like, yeah, well, that's easier said than done. And y'all, what has been so helpful for me on this journey has been to understand how fear, worry, and anxiety are connected to faith. Because what we so often see in God's word is how fear is combated with faith. And I've learned this the hard way. Uh, while at the same time, I have been so, so thankful for this journey that had, God has brought me on to grow me and to shape me as a person, as a pastor. You know, and I know this may seem funny coming from a pastor, uh, but I don't, I don't speak today as someone who's full of faith, uh, but rather as someone who's often faithless. Uh, but although I'm off, often faithless and fearful, I'm guessing maybe just like many of you, Uh, in different times and seasons. Although we may be fearful and faithless, I can say with confidence we're not hopeless. Uh, We may may follow, if we follow Jesus, we can be be full of hope in our fears. And so hear hear me today. As followers of Christ, uh, we have a continual choice to make. We can either walk in fear or we can walk in faith. This is a daily call. God shows us in his word, and we'll see 
day that our fears, worries, and anxieties are combated and, and fought with faith. And, and here's an example. Here's one example that we see in script, the Scripture. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The tool that God's Word shows us is that fear is combated with faith in God and who He is. Whenever we, say, whenever we see God say, do not fear, oftentimes we see some sort of faith that is required right after that. We could go, go through so many instances in Scripture and see how fear and faith are often related. And for today, we're going to see another passage of Scripture that is a popular story in the Bible that many of you may actually know. It's a very common story. It's often told, and it's where Jesus calms a storm uh, and where the disciples were afraid and they experienced fear because of their circumstance. Uh, we're going to see the fear in the passage uh, was caused by a literal storm uh, that's often related to the storms of our life. Now, I know uh, the teaching that often comes out of this story uh, is that, well, uh, Jesus calmed the storm for the disciples, and he can calm the storms in your life too. Well, today, although that is true, that Jesus does have the power to calm the storms in our life, I'm going to completely reject that tonight as the main takeaway, because let's be honest, sometimes the storms don't go away. Because as we all know, we live in a broken and a fallen world uh, where there will always be storms on the horizon. One storm may, may come and it may be calmed, but there is always another storm on the horizon. And I hate to break it to you, but there will always be something to be worried about and there will always be something to be fearful of. And so what's more important than Jesus uh, calming, uh, than, than the calming of the storm is what we, what we believe about God in the midst of the storm. Again, do we walk in fear or do we walk in faith? And what we believe about God is often the difference between faith and fear. And I would be bold enough to say uh, maybe in some cases uh, we don't have a fear problem. Maybe rather we have a faith problem, uh, a trusting problem. And again, I say this as someone who doesn't want to, who's not throwing stones, telling you just to get over your fears and to muster up more faith. But as someone who has seen this, uh, who's, who's seen this in my own life, and so today we're going to drop into Mark 4. We're going to look at Jesus calming the storm. We're going to walk through the text and see what it says about both fear and faith uh, in the storms of life. And so just a little bit of a, of a backstory here. Jesus, up to this point in the book of Mark, has noticed that his disciples have gained a lot of teaching. They've gained a lot of head knowledge from Jesus. But he's, he's, noted, he's noticed that it hasn't moved from their head to their heart. And what we'll see in Mark 4 is that the disciples, they had gaps in their faith, uh, just like me and you often have. And Jesus was using a difficult life experience to reveal the gap that they had. Something uh, that I've often heard is that you find out what's truly inside of a person when they get squeezed. When you go through stress or hardship, when someone gets squeezed, look to see what comes out and you get a picture of what's inside. The stability of something or someone is often exposed when pressure is applied. And what we need to understand about this in relation to faith is that someone can believe that Jesus is real and still lack faith in Jesus. Because we know that Satan believed that Jesus was real, but he didn't trust Jesus. Or maybe, for like, uh, maybe like many of us, we trust Jesus for salvation, but trusting him with our actual day-to-day -day life is a struggle. And so when push comes to shove, you find out what people truly believe. We find our soft spots 
when pressure is applied, when we go through difficult life situations. And in today's story, the difficult life situation uh, incited a sense of fear and worry in the disciples. And through it, uh, Jesus was putting his finger on a soft spot in his disciples' faith. And as the Bible always does, I believe this story will push us, I believe it will challenge us, uh, and encourage us today. And so if you have your Bibles, follow along with me in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. This is what God's Word says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, uh, they took with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and so that the boat was, was already filling But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So I'm just going to go ahead and give you this. Uh, We're going to see through Mark 4 a very simple, big idea today, and it's this. Our faith in Jesus helps us to fight our fears. Very simple. Our faith in Jesus helps us to fight our fear. And I want to be clear that faith helps us fight our fears, uh, but our our faith won't make our fears go away because we're human. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. uh, But it is certainly a tool that will help. So I want to emphasize that this is a basic discussion on fear and worry, and this is not comprehensive. There are many, certain, there are many instances that where further counsel with more tools may be required. So I want to emphasize that. There may be other things that may be required. But that said, there are a few things throughout this story that we'll see, like the storm that runs parallel to the storms of life. We'll see uh, God's power that we'll also look at. Uh, and then there's this concept of faith. And when I speak of faith today, I want you to know it assumes saving faith is present. And so if you're not a Christian, I want to be very direct with you tonight. Your first step of faith today is not to fight your fears with faith. Your first step today is to trust in Jesus Christ. That's your very first step. And know this. This same faith that we trust Jesus with for our salvation, the same faith is required for trusting Jesus with the fears in our life. Right now. The exact same saving faith, believing that Jesus can save us from our sins by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, is also sanctifying faith. It's also life-changing faith. We need the gospel to save us, and we need the gospel to change us. And just to say this is more, more directly as an encouragement, if we have saving faith, we are given by God the faith that we need to fight our fears. And then also, another important distinction that I want to make tonight about faith. And this, the, the, the object of our faith is more important than the amount of our faith. Y'all, we all need more faith. Like, who doesn't need more faith? But that's, we have to understand that's a gift from God. It's hard to just muster up more faith. The way we get more faith is by looking more to the object of our faith. The more we look to Jesus, who is the object of our faith, the amount of our faith will grow in Jesus. So with that said, let's look back at verse 35, and we're going to walk through this story in a little bit more detail. This is what it says, again. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. 
And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, and just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. And so they get into a boat. There's a major windstorm, uh, which was pretty common for where they were located. Uh, and the boat was filling up with water. <laughs> and y'all, just to continue with my transparency here, y'all, I would be freaking out if that were me. Uh, for whatever reason, I've always had like a small fear of storms and lightning and thunder. And then God calls me to Florida uh, here in Tampa where there's, it just does it every day. Uh, you know, so it's kind of funny, but I, you know, I love getting into a boat. Uh, storms and boats, though, nope, at the same time, not happening. I'm not doing it. But remember, the disciples, they weren't this way. Because remember, many of them were fishermen. Uh, they were men of the sea. They were used to this type of stuff. And so when you see the fear of the disciples, it reiterates the intensity of the storm. Like, y'all, this was a really bad storm. Like, their lives were in severe danger. It wasn't a storm that was just going to pass, that was going to just pass quickly. They couldn't wait this one out. No, like, this was a life or death situation. Think of like a major hurricane. And look what Jesus is doing in verse 38. This is my favorite part of the story. Look what it says. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I, I love this. I think this is great. If I'm anything like Jesus, this is one of those characteristics that just comes more naturally to me. For whatever reason, I can sleep just about anywhere. Uh, but, the, you know, but, but just think about this. There's essentially something like a hurricane going on, and they're in a boat holding on for their lives with the winds and the waves, with the waves crashing into the boat, wondering if the boat is going to flip. Uh, like, like I said, if this were me, I probably at this point would have already lost my lunch. I'm seeing all the boats in the area crashing into the waves, slamming into the water. Uh, just, I just kind of imagine all the other boats in the area yelling at each other for help, kind of freaking out, wondering if they're gonna, what they're going to do. And there is Jesus snoozing on a pillow. Like, he's just peacefully snoozing, just kind of snuggled up with a pillow in the back of the boat with the waves crashing in on them. You know, like, I know Jesus is God, but that's still impressive. You know, like, and so the disciples come up to him, again, freaking out. They're fearful, they're worried, they're likely anxious, saying in verse 38, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And you see, in this moment, the disciples were being squeezed. They were experiencing pressure. Uh, when, the, when, when they experienced a life struggle, the gap in their faith, it came out. Their situation, it was piercing into their soul. They said, do you not care that we are perishing? They looked at Jesus who had already seen, uh, they had already seen perform miracles prior to this. Uh, they had seen him uh, heal a paralytic. They had seen him heal a leper uh, and many others just like this. And they had seen what Jesus could do, but yet they were worried, they were panicked, and they were afraid because they saw this man who they believed to be God in the midst of their life-threatening situation, sleeping in the back of a boat, snuggled up with a pillow, appearing to just not care about what was going on. And in that moment, they questioned whether he truly cared for them. And they questioned how much Jesus loved them. They knew in their head that Jesus was powerful, but yet in their heart, they questioned his care for them. They essentially thought in their moment of fear, Jesus... If you loved me, I, I would not be going through this. 
Jesus, why did you not protect us from this storm? Jesus, why did you not keep us safe? How could you let this happen to us? Their unbelief and their lack of faith, it was beaming through their fear. But you see, it's, I think it's fair to say that they started their accusation towards Jesus with the wrong principle, with the wrong premise. They had faulty faith. Because they thought if Jesus truly loved them, they would never struggle and their life would be full of ease. Jesus knew something different. Jesus knew that he could still love someone and still allow them to struggle. Because in their struggle, they would either move towards Jesus in faith or move away in fear. Because in the back of Jesus' head, Jesus knew that his, what his loving Father would have him do because Jesus knew the struggle that God put him through, would put him through, at the cross. And just like seeing Jesus struggle at the cross, yet never fearing, while he was whipped, crowned with thorns, nailed to a cross due to the sin and the brokenness of the world, Jesus experienced a horrible storm at the cross. But yet it was mixed in with the Father's perfect love. Now I want to be very clear here. I'm not saying every life struggle has a perfect mix of God's love. Because that's just not true. But they can certainly reveal and be redeemed by God's love. Just listen. Believing that a life that follows Jesus won't be mixed with storms and hardships is a failure to understand the brokenness of the world. But yet in God's perfect love, he sent his son Jesus to struggle on the cross because he knew that his struggle on the cross would display a greater love for God. All the while, displaying that he that the world is broken and ravaged by sin in the struggle. Just like Jesus at the cross displayed the love of God, Jesus allows us to experience struggles so that we can grow in a deeper understanding of God. But the question we need to ask in these moments are, in spite of these struggles and challenges, will we walk in faith or will we walk in fear? Just think about it. Like if we never had a financial worry, we may, uh, we may struggle to understand God as our provider. If, if we never experience the fear of the unknown, we may struggle to understand the comfort of God who paves our steps. You know, if we never experience any relational rejection, we possibly may struggle to understand the infinite acceptance of God. And hear me on this. Hear me on this, please. By no means am I saying that God orders these things in our lives. Absolutely not. What I am saying, though, is that God uses them and He redeems them and that God often uses our struggles and challenges to teach us and grow us and to push us to greater faith in Jesus. Just think about the disciples in the boat. They were experiencing great fear. They thought they were going to die. I mean, I think we can agree that it seemed like a bad situation. Like the struggle in this moment, it was real. All the while, the God of the universe is sitting in that same boat, and, the, and in their moment of fear, they displayed a soft spot showing a lack of faith in his care. In their struggle, both his power and his care were in question. And in our moments of fear, we do the exact same thing. In our moments of fear, there are parts of God that we question and that we do not trust. Just think about it. I mean, if the disciples fully believed that Jesus was God without any gaps in their faith, their response probably would have been very different. 
Their faith in Jesus was shaky. They were questioning Jesus in fear instead of trusting Jesus in faith. I mean, if they really believed that Jesus was in full control of the situation, I mean, who knows? Maybe they would have grabbed a pillow and snuggled up next to him and slept with him on the boat in the midst of the storm. Who knows? You know, at the very least, instead of the first thing coming out of their mouth being an accusation towards Jesus' love and care, instead of them questioning Jesus in fear, they would have come to him in faith. If they truly believed Jesus was who he said he was, instead of immediately questioning his care for them, they would have pleaded with him to help them. But no, that's not what they did. They questioned his care and his power. But what we need to understand in all of this is that we probably would have done the exact same thing. Why? <laughs> because we do the exact same, we often do the exact same thing in our everyday life. When we go through storms in life, oh, maybe small storms throughout the day or bigger major life storms, these challenges, oh, when we go through these things, when we go through these storms in life, a challenge, something we didn't ex- expect, we often say to ourselves, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Just think about some of the questions that we ask. Why, God? Why is this person so mean to me? Why, God? Why is school so difficult for me right now? Like, why, God? Why do I not have fill in the blank? And asking God why, listen, it's not a bad thing. We see the psalmist do it all the time. But I think we can see from the story that there's a difference. There's a subtle difference in questioning God in fear and asking God in faith. And the subtle but yet very simple difference between questioning and fear and asking and faith, it's faith. It's understanding and trusting and believing that God is who he says he is in the midst of a storm. And so let me say, who who we believe Jesus to be is often the difference between fear and faith. In our moments of fear, do we believe that God is powerful and caring? That God is good and loving and all-knowing and all-wise and sovereign over our lives. Or maybe, maybe we wouldn't say this out loud, but maybe in those moments we may believe God is weak, unloving, and out of control. And to make us squirm a bit, myself included, in our moments of fear, what would our fear say? If our fear could speak for us, what would it tell us about what we believe? Just to rephrase the question that may give you a shocking answer, let me ask, if our fears could talk about the character of God, what would they say? If you verbalize this out loud, you would realize really quickly that how my fears would talk about God and who God reveals himself to be in his word, they likely don't match up. And one of the best things we can do in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a challenge, when we're afraid or anxious or worried, is to proclaim to ourselves the truth of who God is. Because like I said, we defeat fear with faith. We look and remind ourselves of the object of our faith. And as we look at our story, I want you to see that what Jesus did for his disciples, they came to him, they they came to him questioning him in fear, saying, why are you letting this happen? And look how Jesus responded in verse 39. He says, and he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And in their moment of great fear, Jesus displayed his great power. Instead of Jesus reprimanding his disciples, he reprimanded the wind and the waves. And in his perfect faithfulness and kindness, Jesus was displaying the characteristics, characteristic of himself 
that they needed the most. They didn't need to hear about his power. They needed to see his power. They needed to refix their gaze upon the object of their faith in the midst of the storm. In the middle of their fear, God showed them his power and he showed them that he cared. Because in their moment of fearful trembling, when, they, uh, when what they truly believed about Jesus was coming out, their very first thing Jesus did was to display his divine power. Jesus didn't tell them that he cared. He showed them that he cared. Jesus was putting on display that he, that he is truly God. That he's not just some great teacher like they called him in the story. He's more than that. He's showing them that he's over creation itself. Like Not only can Jesus rebuke the wind and the waves, but Jesus created the wind and the waves. And not only did he create the wind and the waves, but Jesus existed before the wind and the waves. No, what Jesus did was such a small thing for him. But get this. He wanted to teach them something that his word prior to this wasn't teaching them. They weren't getting it. He could tell them all day long about his divine power, but he wanted them to experience it and witness his divine power for themselves. You know, it's one thing to know God's power, know about God's power, but it's an entire different thing to experience it for yourself. You know, up to this point, all the disciples, they were gaining head knowledge, but their faith wasn't being tested. You know, leading up to this, they had seen his power displayed through other people. They'd seen it displayed through other people's struggles. But in this instance, Jesus was putting them through a significant struggle. Jesus put them through a storm that incited great fear in them. So they could understand God's power for themselves and to grow in their faith. Through the disciples' struggles in the storm, Jesus was displaying for them what they couldn't quite grasp before. Jesus was using this experience, he was using it to build their faith. Now their experience of hardship uh, that caused them to fear, it helped them understand what they couldn't fully grasp without it. And so a question we need to ask ourselves is what truth about God do you need to be reminded of during your moments of fear? Like, What are you fearful of? And what truth do you need to match with that? Whatever you're fearing, what truth about Jesus do you need to believe and remember? What is it about Jesus that you need to fix your eyes on more intently? Is it his power? Is it his cares like the, like the disciples in the storm? Maybe it's God's provision. Is it his patience? Is it his counsel, his wisdom? Is it his character? Is it his steadfastness, his loyalty, his love? What is it? Because remember, we fight our fear with faith. And so what is it about God that you're struggling to believe in the midst of your fears? Look at what Jesus said to end our passage in verse 40 and 41. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, when then, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And he showed them his divine power, doing something that only God can do. And after everything settled, after everybody had calmed down, the winds and the waves, they stilled. And Jesus comes full circle and he shows them the gap in their faith. He says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In this moment, it became evident that their faith was the issue. And what happens next, I think, is a bit ironic. And so uh, I want us to see in the last seven or eight minutes, you know, you know, verse 41, look at this. It says, they were filled with great fear, with great fear. 
They moved from being fearful of their lives to being filled with great fear. (laughs) They went from fear to fear. And at the surface, it seems odd. But when we think about it a little bit more, they moved from being fearful of a situation to fearing God himself. It was one of those moments when they looked at each other and think, like, whoa, like what just happened? Who is this man? And it caused them to ask the question in verse 41, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples were left in fear and awe, seeing at this point that Jesus is more than a teacher. He is more than a, than a healer. He is more than a powerful being. They saw that Jesus is worthy of our trust. But as the great story of the wind and the waves is, we know that the greatest display of both Jesus' love and power, proving that he is worthy of our trust, was displayed at the cross. Because at the cross, just like the disciples needed Jesus to prove his love and care for them by calming the storm, defeating the storm, at the cross, Jesus defeated the greatest storm the world has ever seen. Jesus accomplished something much more difficult than calming the wind and the waves. Jesus defeated sin and death. There's no question about it. Just like the disciples in the boat, our sin leaves us in a state of desperation, needing help, just like the disciples, leaving us needing to go to the one who has the power to defeat the storm of sin. And just like the disciples came questioning God, wondering if he cared for them, when Jesus stayed on the cross, he was displaying his perfect love. Because remember, just like in the boat, Jesus hung on the cross with great power at his disposal. Jesus stayed hanging on the cross with the same power that calmed the wind and the waves. He could have said in an instant while being whipped and nailed to a cross, he could have said before anyone laid hands on him, just like he said in the boat, he could have easily said, peace, be still. And they would have stopped in an instant because Jesus had thousands of angels at his disposal, yet Jesus stayed on the cross. Because Jesus knew God had a bigger and a better plan. Jesus knew that this world was greater than his greatest storm. And being crucified and killed, Jesus struggled on the cross was far greater than the disciples struggle on the boat. But he knew that it was worth it. Because he knew that just like the disciples were questioning his love and care, inciting fear, Jesus knew that there were billions of people all over the world for centuries to come, they would ask the exact same question the disciples asked in the boat, but on a far bigger scale, on a much grander scale, on an eternal scale. For centuries to come, Jesus knew that people like you and me and all over the world would continue to ask, Jesus, do you care that we are perishing? Likely asking in great fear, and because of that, what did Jesus do? He did exactly what he did on the boat. He perfectly displayed both his love and his power. By looking at sin and death in the eye and looking at it, rebuking and saying to Satan, be still. You have no power over us. And to that we can say we do not fear because our God is with us and he is worthy of our trust. Brothers and sisters, the storms of life are not a picture of whether or not God cares for us. The storms of our life are a picture that the world is broken. We can't look at the storms of our life and wonder if God cares because God perfectly displayed his love and care for us at the cross. Now, we all have many fears. As I hope you've seen today, our fears and our worries are fought with faith and by remembering the character of God. In the middle of our fearful moments, 
We all have a choice to make. We can either dive deeper into our fears and gaze upon them and dwell upon them, or we can gaze upon God and His glory and dwell upon who He is and what He has promised. And when we see who God is, and we trust in His power and His sovereignty and His eternal love and care, we're no longer crippled by fear, but we can run in great faith, living with the incredible purpose that God has given for each one of us. Brothers and sisters, we all have fears that come into our life. But may we remember that, that faith in Jesus helps us to fight our fears. Let's pray. God, I pray for these students. I pray for their lives. I pray for the fears that each one of them are experiencing. Whether, uh, whether small fears, whether grand fears, whatever is going on in their life, I pray that you would overwhelm them with faith they would look at the object of, of their faith in Jesus Christ, they would dwell upon God and His glory, and that you would encourage them and you would build them up, uh, and they would be able to fight their fears with incredible faith. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.